What help can the rural community get without coronavirus concerns? We'll hear from agricultural chaplain Alan Robson. There is plenty of food on the planet, plenty of resource, um, but we, we just need to be careful for one another. And Lincolnshire Rural Support Network project manager Alison Twiddy. We have that ability to be able to walk with people till they're able to come through the other side of their problems. They're both on the farming programme today. Sean Sparling will be here with some sound agronomy advice as usual and we'll get a market update from Kit Dickinson at Openfield. The Week in Agriculture. This is the farming programme with Steve Orchard. I'll start with an apology today with the quality of some of the audio that you'll hear on the farming programme. Uh, inevitably has suffered because quite a few of the interviews that we're doing today we've done by phone and you just can't get quite as good a quality as you can standing side by side or in a studio. Uh, that said... Hello, I'm Steve Orchard. Hope you're keeping well and away from the virus and its effects. Although the rural community appears to have been hit less hard than the big cities, so far at least, the knock-on effects on business and social life are going to be felt just as strongly. We could use a little bit of positivity. So if you've got a happy story to tell, uh, someone who's gone out of their way to help you, who deserves a, a radio pat on the back, anything that might put a smile on our collective faces, do get in touch via the website and I will happily add it to the podcast edition of the Farming Programme or maybe use it on next week's programme. Now, let's have a little look at the headlines away from coronavirus for a moment. Well, sort of. We've lost a couple of big country and agricultural shows this week. The Not Show and the Suffolk Shows have both been cancelled for this year. At the moment, the Lincolnshire Show goes ahead, but if that changes, obviously I'll let you know. Also, sadly, the Leaf Open Sunday is postponed until at least September due to coronavirus. Beef trade in the United Kingdom's got off to a strong start this year, recording growth in exports of fresh and frozen beef. January showed an increase of 20% over last year. Uh, December was around 5% better. In the coming weeks, we'll be taking a look at the issue of succession planning in farming. This week has seen judgment handed down in a long-running case where a son claimed his parents went back on their promise to hand a substantial share of the farm business on which he worked for 32 years to him. They went back on this when the relationship broke down. He was forced to find another job, move his family out of the farm's cottage and the son won the case, which went to the appeal court and has dragged on for five years. So uh, succession planning will be a subject on the farming programme in coming weeks. If you have anything to contribute to that, do get in touch via the uh, contact section on the website or via the app. And a reminder that the deadline is getting close for claims under the Farming Recovery Fund, which may help farm businesses businesses affected by last year's floods. Applications must be submitted to the RPA by the 31st of March. Let us turn to coronavirus then. It uh, had to come up on the programme today and it forms quite a bit of the programme, not by way of me trying to give you a solution. Uh, I don't have medical people on today. We've heard enough on the news about the government's proposals and what they intend to do. And I'm not going to go there at all today. All I really wanted to say is that I have two people on the farming programme today who can help. One as a representative of the church, our uh, agricultural chaplain, a friend of the programme, regular on the, on the show is Alan Robson. He'll be talking to us in a few minutes' time about some help that maybe he and the church can offer. But first, Alison Twiddy joins 
joins us from the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, who, as we know, have been on the programme before and provide some fantastic assistance and advice and guidance to uh, to people in the agricultural community in the area and beyond. Uh, firstly, for those who don't know, Alison, what help, advice, services can LRSN provide? Well, I guess that's quite a big question and quite difficult to answer because what we pride ourselves on doing and providing is a service that meets the needs of that particular person, which will be a combination maybe of emotional support, if it's to to do with a bereavement, for example, or a loss or a divorce, um, a mixture of practical support, so finding your way through bureaucracy, maybe debt problems, maybe succession and legal problems, uh, and then some kind of practical things with regards to animal health and um, subsidy, payment issues, family issues. So we try to tailor our support. Sometimes it's mentoring and befriending, you know, people who are just lonely, going through a bad time and just need somebody who is a listening ear. Um, So it's very difficult for me to describe our service because it's not a rigid one-size-fits-all service. And um, so we try to provide a service that meets the needs and we we mix and match our volunteers, um, where they live, um, where the client lives or where the service user lives with whatever's needed and working with others as well. So, you know, solicitors, land agents, accountants, other organizations, uh, public sector, etc., to try and join it all up, if you like, um, to help them find a way through whatever's going on. But sometimes it's just about listening. Is it really a case then that if I'm not sure whether or not you can help, call you and ask? Absolutely. I mean, we don't have magic wands. Um, we're not Harry Potter. Um, and certainly if we'd, got, we'd all got a magic wand at the moment, we know what we would do with it. So that doesn't mean that we have all the answers, but we have that ability to be able to walk with people till they're able to come through the other side of their problems and find a way to make some difficult decisions maybe about their future, make some difficult choices, um, and a way that they've got some hope and um, a way forward uh, once they've come through the other side of their problems. How are you able to do what you do in the current circumstances? Well, we are reacting, obviously, to uh, government guidelines. At the moment, our service is pretty much business as usual, subject to us making some sensible decisions about whether we go to see people in their homes or in their businesses, which we're limiting to only where that's absolutely essential. So mainly our support in terms of um, practical, emotional uh, physical help, etc., is on the phone or by emails or by text. Um, and we would, in a, in a dire emergency, consider going to see people in their homes, but obviously we're limiting that because we need to protect both our service users and our team, staff, volunteers, etc. In terms of our health screening service, um, at Louth Market and Spalding, at the moment, again, we're still open for business. The markets are open. Um, and we're taking sensible precautions there, obviously hygiene for all the normal reasons. Everything is clean, sterile, white, gloves, 
etc., etc. And we are asking people who have any symptoms or have been with anyone with any symptoms not to access the service, although I suspect that most people who are in that situation will be self-isolating anyway or would hope that that's the case. So it's pretty much business as usual uh, at the moment. I guess in terms of the best way to access us, it would be our helpline, um, which is open every day of the year. Our volunteers are able to uh, answer those calls from within their own homes. So, so long as they're all well enough to take those calls, they're not putting themselves or anyone else at any risk. Uh, so the helpline is 0800 Thank you so much for joining us once again on the Farming Programme. Alison Twiddy, Project Manager of Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. Uh, give me those contact details, if you would, please. Our helpline is uh, open every day of the year, 8 in the morning till 6 in the evening, 0800 138 1710. Our website is lrsn.co.uk. And all of our email contact details, which is another way to access us, are on there, including my own and our health and well-being leads. Alison Twiddy, Project Manager for the LRSN, Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. I'll give you those contact details along with Alan Robson's at the end of the programme. Sean Sparling joins us now for our regular dose of agronomy advice. Morning, Sean. Uh, you're no stranger to LRSN yourself, are you? Yes, good morning, Steve. Yeah, I've been associated and working alongside and within LRSN for over 20 years now and a more dedicated, caring, calm, professional and reassuringly positive group of people, as you can tell from the interview, you will meet. I mean, LRSN are the most wonderful bunch of people. And the work they did for the farming community and the rural community was absolutely vital before COVID-19 came along. Remember when all we seemed to be worried about was the fact it wouldn't stop raining and we might get Jeremy Corbyn in number 10? which seems an awful long time ago now, um, LRSN were vital then and they will become even more vital as we go forward. So my advice to anybody and everybody out there is to get a Sharpie marker and write on your fridge 0800 138 1710 and know that if you get down, if you feel you need to talk to somebody and there's no one you can talk to, ring that number. There is always, always a friendly listening ear on the other end of that line and sharing a problem is always better than bottling it up. So, talking about problems, let's move on to agronomy. T0 is almost upon us now. In some of these forward bits of wheat, the yellow rust is moving. We're starting to see the crops themselves moving. It's been an interesting week because we took rain last weekend. We've had a windy week, so the rain scuppered the drilling, the wind has scuppered the spraying. But the days are getting longer. The soil temperature's now got up to 6.2 to 6.5. Longer days, these crops are starting to move. 
And don't get hung up on waiting for Leaf 4 to come out when it comes for your T0 timing. You're frittering around the edge with a T0 fungicide. Um, what the aim of it is, is to protect the new growth to get you to the more important T1 timing and the T2 timing. They're the most important things. T1, T0 and T3, you're frittering around the edge a little bit with those. So the T0 is there to dry the yellow rust up. It's there to get out there and get some manganese and magnesium into these crops, to get the roots growing, to get the strob effect, to make these crops... I'm using a strob based with chlorthalonil, which remember anything with chlorthalonil that you have in the shed needs to be used up by the 20th of May. So I shall use a strob chlorthalonil as my T0 to dry out the rust and to green up these crops, to force them to throw out hunger roots to try and scavenge for nitrogen. The autumn herbicides residuals have worked so well that I haven't got that many fields I need to spray Atlantis or Pacifica or Monolith on. And there's no point spraying any of those products unless you've got blackgrass there to hit or a grass weed there to hit. So check the field. Don't just assume because it's used to be a blackgrass field that it still will be this year because these preems have worked remarkably well. And I am starting to see the ladybirds and the bumblebees and the parasitic wasps and I saw a butterfly the other day. So when it comes to oilseed rape, do not, under any circumstances, just throw in an insecticide because you're going through and because you think there's pollen beetle there or because you've been told there are. If you're being told there are pollen beetle there, go out and have a look for yourself. Your threshold, up to 30 plants, you need 25 pollen beetle per plant, not just on the yellow one in the gateway, but per plant across the field. 30 to 50 plants, you need 18 pollen beetle per plant. 50 to 70, you need 11 pollen beetle per plant. And over 70 plants a square metre, you need 7 pollen beetle per plant. I haven't seen that and haven't sprayed for pollen beetle in 20 years. 80% of the, the bug life and the insect life in a rape canopy is a beneficial. In about two to three weeks' time, when the rape starts to flower, the pollen beetle becomes a beneficial because it becomes a pollinator. It's far more of a problem in spring rape. When it flowers that much later, you get the second generation of pollen beetle, and they will absolutely annihilate spring rape because it's the only yellow thing there is out in the field. So if you do have to spray, if you do reach threshold, remember it's all about IPM, it's all about threshold, and it's all about letting Mother Nature deal with her own problem unless the pest overruns the predator, in which case you step in. If you have to, use a product like Tau Fluvalinate or Maverick, which is much kinder to non-target species like bees and other beneficials. Now, spring crops are going in the ground as well, uh, where conditions will allow. Remember, spring barley, you're aiming around 375 plants a square metre. Spring wheat, around 400 plants a square metre. It doesn't tiller like spring barley. It doesn't drill as late as spring barley, so maybe prioritise the spring wheat now. Spring oats, too cold. They need soil temperatures well over 8 or 9, be in and up and away. And at the minute, 6, 6.5 is not warm enough for spring oats. Spring beans, 45 plants a square metre. But with all of these things, you need to make sure that you know the thousands seed weight and you know the germination don't just assume because your neighbor's putting it on at that seed rate you need to do the same because if he's got a thousand seed weight of 50 and he's worked it out accordingly on a spring barley crop and you put the same on but your thousand seed weight is only 40 you will put far too much seed on and vice versa if he's going on and his thousand seed weight is 30 and you're going on when your seed rate seed weight is 50 you're not going to put near and near enough seed on the field so make sure you understand what you're dealing with 70 kilos of nitrogen in the seed bed as well to get these crops going and with spring beans make sure you know zero tolerance on stem nematode don't plant them if they've got stem nematode because you won't be able to grow beans in that field for 10 years if you do that and the other thing I just want to say is, for goodness sake, let's not turn as an industry into hoarding idiots like these fools who are buying all the toilet roll and the bread and the tins of beans and tins and tomatoes and the eggs. Why are people doing that? 
as an industry, if you have capacity in your shed, if you have a crop in the ground and you know what you're going to apply to that crop, if your cash flow allows and the payment terms are right, then put it in your shed. We're helping out distribution by doing that, by moving it off their shelves, putting it into ours, and it is a shared responsibility. Distribution and farmers need to still be there, along with all the advisors, when we come out of the other end of this. So hoarding product and getting it for the sake of doing it is absolutely ridiculous let's not turn into an industry of idiots so let's stay safe out there i'm doing my job on my own i'm not i'm keeping as little contact with farmers as i possibly can but i'm out in the middle of nowhere i'm using the phone the email and the tech stay safe stay happy and we'll see what the next seven days bring Thanks as ever, Sean Sparling, our Sparling Agronomy Services, back on the farming programme next week. In a moment, we'll hear some words of wisdom and advice from agricultural chaplain Alan Robson. And Kit Dickinson has our regular look at the markets and prices. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. You're listening to the Farming Programme for Sunday, 22nd of March. I'm Steve Orchard. Alan Robson, the Agricultural Chaplain, joins us now. Let's uh, get a few of your thoughts, if we may, Alan, uh, on the subject that is on everybody's mind at the moment. Yes. Um, what a, a, an almost surreal time for everybody. Uh, young people having to finish school this last Friday... Um, older people self-isolating, um, all sorts of uncertainties around. And, you know, sometimes I think in the past we've had serious calamities and this is just one of them and somehow we've endured, we possibly learned from them and, 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 and eventually, you know, things will settle again. You know, it's how, how do we find peace instead of going to pieces you know, and keeping a balance? And, um, and so the, 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 it's a challenging time and it's going to be heartbreaking for a lot of people not being able to get to loved ones or um, you know, be as direct a support as nursing homes have you know, self-isolated and even hospices are, uh, are being extremely careful now. Um, yeah, so we've got real challenges ahead, but we've got to discover ways of being community again, which we've lost. And uh, and I think the human spirit is an incredibly enduring thing. Uh, it can be incredibly frustrating as well. But I, I'm beginning to see you know lots of signs of good, compassionate care for people, um, and we'll just have to build on that to overcome the negative behaviours. Uh, you know, people don't need to be stockpiling. Um, it, it, there is plenty of food on the planet, plenty of resource, um, but we we just need to be careful for one another. People have been comparing the current situation to World War Two and talks of uh, wartime spirit and the like. Do you think that's a reasonable comparison? Well, that type of language has been used. You know, uh, you know wartime efforts and um, war against. Yeah, uh, yep, it, it can evoke that type of spirit. But the more important spirit was uh, a raising of those best values and those best behaviours. Being grateful, I think that's a good point you've just said about the councillor. You know, being grateful for the people. You know, I, I heard on the radio in France, or was it Germany, you know, groups of people were applauding the health service people 
Mm. We've got to be mindful of those who are at the front end. Um, and so gratitude. Yeah, I, I think everybody somehow has to keep focusing on the one or two or three things every day that we can be thankful for. Um, and and, and you know, make a record of those and make a gratitude diary. You know, just so we remind ourselves that we're, you know, there are more positive things in our lives around relationships and and the things we see and can experience than the negative and we got to, we truly have to focus on those things to keep well and i guess it's a time alan when people will turn to the church for help and for advice but uh, with the current sort of restrictions on large gatherings how easy is that well as you're very well aware all churches have been called upon to close down and there'll be no Sunday services anywhere. Um, and that is a first, I would think, because uh, even during the war, the churches kept open. And uh, so that, that, that is a challenge. But the church is about leadership. And we should be leaders in the community wherever we are, um, offering that fearless but wise, fearless but wise, care into our communities and you know making those telephone and email conversations that connect to help and support and and every clergy person every leader of faith in any community ought to be that connector uh, to ensure people are safe and safe um, uh, and have that oversight so that that's really important i think the church has a place of leadership amongst many other leaders and we should be connecting together to make our communities um, feel you know they've got a positive future as for the farming community well um, they've had a, a year and a half of real trouble and uh, and LRSN are wisely and carefully going to keep up with all the critical cases we've got, uh, either keeping in touch by email or telephone or occasionally wisely visiting if absolutely necessary. Um, but be mindful of all the latest um, the controls. Um, so we, we, LRSM and the agricultural chaplain will not be leaving um, anybody in absolute isolation. Alan, once again, I'm enormously grateful for you joining us on the farming programme today. Alan has mentioned that he's happy for me to give out his mobile number. If you would like to contact him, he's uh, happy to take your call and talk and help and advise as best he can. And I'll give out the uh, contact number for Alan and for LRSN at the end of the farming programme. Let's get our weekly market and prices update now from Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Morning, Steve. This week has all been about the coronavirus and the weakening pound. I'm not an economist, and in many ways, I'm asking the same questions as you. Why is the pound falling versus both the euro and the US dollar? Can the UK really afford all the measures that Boris promises every evening? Why should the pound be affected more by the coronavirus than the euro, for example? From the 9th of March, the pound has now lost over 8% of its value relative to the dollar, as fears of a global economy have led to a safe haven attitude towards the US dollar, further buoyed on Wednesday by US fiscal stimulus announcements. During the 2008 financial crash, as the global economy slowed and investments into the UK fell, 
the pound fell by 28% relative to the dollar from the 1st of July to the 31st of December 2008. Another question raised this week was that we see a greater demand from the flour miller and the feed compound at short term. Probably is the answer, although I would logically think that extra demand for bread at the supermarket might be balanced by the lack of bread needed in cafes, shops and restaurants. We can only eat so much and much of the short-term demand may stop once everybody has stockpiled, or at least tried to. The more likely reason, I would think, is a combination of the weakening pound and the increased demand from Portugal and Spain, both of whom were trying to buy UK grain on Wednesday for immediate shipment. A weak pound makes the UK significantly more competitive. This is the more likely reason for the surprise rally and stockpiling. Oilseed rape has had a much less interesting week, or some may say, much less profitable. When the market opened on Monday morning, we saw a 17 euro drop in the oilseed rate price, purely and simply down to the drop in oil that we have seen in the last 10 days. With the oilseed rate prices down near £300 a tonne, there has been a lack of sellers, which this year is nothing new, but it nearly halted ex-farm buying. Most producers are waiting for either prices to rise, which will have to be significant, or they will carry their crop into 20 crop year, with cash flows and storage facilities allowing. There is still a limited amount of oilseed rape available for the coming months, and we know that there has been large concerns over the crop currently in the ground. So oilseed rape will be the crop to watch in the coming weeks and months. Barley hasn't had the price fluctuation this week that wheat has. Why is this? One reason is the preempted volume of barley that is about to be drilled, and we also had a large 19 crop. There is plenty of barley in the UK and around the world, and the coronavirus isn't affecting the barley market in the same way it is affecting the wheat market currently as the public are not stockpiling barley products. Many brewers have had orders reduced or even cancelled beer deliveries to pubs, events and other hospitality venues around the country. So it goes without saying that COVID-19 and the strength of the pound have played a significant effect on the markets this week. But with the level of uncertainty ahead of us, I could be standing here next week with a completely different outlook. Only time will tell. So moving on to prices for this week, feed wheat for March is 155 to 157. For May, 158 to 160. November, 167 to 169. And milling premiums are currently £25. Oilseed rape, as I said earlier, has dropped to 306 to 308 for March, 309 to 311 for May. And there is very limited carry between old crop and new crop. So November 20 new crop is 309 to 311. Feed barley, March 123 to 125, May 125 to 127, and November new crop 127 to 129. Malting premiums are circa £6. Thanks as ever to Kit Dickinson from Openfield. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Let's turn to the week's weather. It's feeling a little bit better with some sunshine around today. Temperatures up to 7 or 8 Celsius and a moderate easterly breeze around 14, 15 miles per hour, keeping it feeling a little cool. Uh, but we've got a clear cold night on the way. Some frost is expected. Temperatures down to around freezing point, but the wind is easing off. The high pressure continues into Monday, which brings more sunshine, no significant rain, and the breeze staying moderate is veering slightly to the southeast, highs around 9 Celsius tomorrow. As the week goes on, winds will be mostly from the south until Thursday when they're back to easterly or northeasterly. They stay quite light with speeds rarely getting into double figures. A dry week's expected, cold at night with lows around freezing point and daytime highs of 8 or 9 Celsius. 
Now, coronavirus is here to stay for the foreseeable future. Uh, We will, of course, keep you updated on the radio station with regular news updates and information regarding local events and so on. But I've got the contact numbers now for Agricultural Chaplain Alan Robson and LRSN. And remember, it's okay not to feel okay. I was in the supermarket the other day doing the big shop and looking at the shelves empty of even the most basics, like bread and milk, it made me feel very anxious. Now, both Alan and Alison are happy to take your calls and help if they can, or just listen. Alan Robson's number is 07542 272049. That's 07542 272049. LRSN can be contacted via their website, that's lrsn.co.uk, or their helpline 0800 138 1710. That's 0800 138 1710. That's it for this week. Do stay in touch, especially if you've got a positive story to tell. I'd love to hear from you via the contact section on the website or tweet at The Farming Show. Until the same time next week, I'm Steve Orchard. Have a great farming week.